We got a big pay-per-view this weekend. AEW Full Gear. We'll have our predictions for that. We'll answer some questions from our fans. Our babble section with Ask SCPB. But we also have some rumors going around WrestleMania 39 that we're going to talk about next on the Squared Circle Cycle Babble. My name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is Rob Valenti. So let's get right down to these rumors surrounding WrestleMania 39. We heard from WrestleVotes that John Cena should be at WrestleMania 39 this year. The fact that it's in Hollywood, he's trying to be like the rock now of this generation, you know, of the ruthless aggression era and beyond after the rock left. Makes sense for him to be on that show. Come to find out, he may already have a challenger because he tweeted the little eyeball emoji when he saw an article about it. Then he went on his own podcast, Impulsive, and said, I want that match. I texted Triple H. Give me that match. The, sh- the show's on my birthday. It'd be a great birthday present. Let me beat John Cena. Of course, I'm talking about Logan Paul, who just had a, a really good match with Roman Reigns for the WWE Universal Championship in his third match. Now, you could say Logan Paul didn't deserve that spot in his third match being a YouTuber, and I agree with that. But despite that, the man had a great match. I think this would really do some decent numbers if they go around this route. So do you think they should do Logan Paul versus John Cena if both are healthy and available for WrestleMania weekend? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really going to depend on a number of things. It's really going to depend on if they have any young up-and-comers that they feel can have that match that it could do wonders for that can really help establish somebody on the come-up. Um, You know, I know another guy that's got his name in that hat so to speak, is is Austin Theory. He's been a guy that's been pushing for that Cena match. He might fit that mold of a young up-and-comer. I know if we had this conversation maybe two weeks ago based on the failed cash-in, it probably wouldn't have been a very different conversation we would, would have been having because most people said, that's it. He's cast off. That He's done. He's buried. The word that we hate using because fast forward one week later and look, I mean, the guy went out there. He had a great night on Raw. It seems like really that was just a way to get the money in the bank money in the bank briefcase off of him. So maybe he's one of those guys that fits that mold. Um, you know, if they're gonna call up somebody like a Braun Breaker, somebody like that, probably not him because, you know, you'd really have to start to establish him between now and WrestleMania, and there's not really a lot of time. So WrestleMania, for whatever it's worth, it's a lot about the attraction. Attraction right. matches, spectacles. Oh my God moments, you know, streaks, the title matches, they're obviously important, but if I were to give you like top 10 moments versus top 10 championship, like heavyweight championship matches, most memorable championship matches, I could probably give you more moments and I could give you great championship matches because some of the matches that were supposed to be great simply didn't live up to expectation. Logan Paul had a great match against Roman Reigns. He got hurt. If he's back and healthy in time. Why the hell not do this match? You know, why the hell not? What, what Cena's well past his prime. He doesn't need to put over Roman. He's already already done that. Roman doesn't need the push. Cody Rhodes, if he decides to come back or if he's back and healthy and he's going to end up challenging Seth, neither of them will need that win. Why the hell not? The problem is Logan Paul is still considered an outsider. Despite the fact that he took Roman Reigns to the limit in just his third match, had an incredible match with him, He's still an outsider. He's not a full-time wrestler. I don't think he's in the 
future plans per se for WWE, like an Austin Theory would be. Despite what people might have said with the failed cash-in and saying that was bad booking, which I would agree with, the way they executed that cash-in was beyond dumb. Cashing in on an open challenge made him look stupid, but the explanation that he had as to why he went after Seth made sense. It basically did what I said they were trying to do, was establish the U.S. title as a top championship. Now he's he's even gotten rid of the goofy selfie gimmick, which I think is absolutely dumb, too. Now. You put him on with that John Cena feud for WrestleMania, and that's a high-profile match for him. Even if it's a losing effort and he puts on a great match with John Cena, I think that still does wonders for him and the future of him in WWE than it would with Logan Paul. Now, if you're thinking of it from a box office and viewer rate, obviously Logan Paul and John Cena, I think, would probably do better than John Cena and Austin Theory. but. If I'm looking at the future, I think Austin Theory needs to have that match. I know he might have done some controversial controversial things in the past that people aren't really happy about. Judging him based on his in-ring ability and what I've seen from him, I do think he's got a bright future. I don't know why people say they don't see anything in him. I mean, I think he's shown he can cut good promos. He's got personnel. But it was the gimmick. It was a stupid the selfie gimmick. Thing? And yes. Okay. It, it was the stupid gimmick and the fact that he he was basically Vince McMahon's chosen one. And we all know what happens when you become a chosen one by Vince McMahon and are force fed to the fan base. They're just going to initially, you know, turn on you, whether it's justified or not. We saw it with Cena. We saw it with Roman and we're seeing it with Austin Theory. And all it takes is some, you know, changing character, let him lose a while. And it's like, all right, he's done for. And then they turn them and then boom, here it is. And that's kind of what we're seeing now with this turn, I think, from this past Monday. Get rid of anything that was from Vince McMahon's booking. Get rid of that stupid gimmick. Now he's more serious. He's even growing facial hair to even make himself more serious or whatever. But this this conversation we're having between Logan Paul and, and John Cena and Austin Theory might even be worth having because there's another name that's rumored to be part of WrestleMania 39. And that's Stone Cold Steve Austin. According to Fightful Select, the new regime of WWE have reached out and talked to Stone Cold Steve Austin of having him have one more match at WrestleMania 39, one year after his return match after you know many, many years, another good match against Kevin Owens in the main event of night one. So it's got people talking about who should Stone Cold Steve Austin wrestle at WrestleMania. And a lot of people threw out Austin versus Cena. Do we go that route? Do we go Cena and Austin? Or should Austin have a different opponent? And if so, who's that different opponent? Well, Austin and Cena is definitely appealing. I mean, just mm-hmm. for the just for historical sake. Right, generation gonna, versus generation. Yeah, and nothing against Kevin Owens because I think that match itself far exceeded any expectations for, for anybody. And we didn't even know we were really getting a match. We thought it was going to be some type of Sit down segment, Stone Cold Sunner, go, everybody go home, goes home happy after he chugs beers, and, and that's, that's the close of the night. So we really got a treat with that. We can't forget this. This is Triple H's first WrestleMania, and I got to think that Triple H mm-hmm. is going to try to make a splash, whether it's from a booking standpoint, a spectacle standpoint. WrestleMania prides itself on being the showcase of the immortals, all about the moments, all about the segments, larger than life, this and that. I don't know if you can get bigger than Cena and Austin. I know that some people throw like Meltzer throughout a short list of 
you know, Punk and Austin. I don't know what's going to happen with Punk, but I mean, if WWE does try to go after CM Punk, I can't think of a, a bigger match than that other than Cena. I think the most money could probably be made with Austin and Brock. The likelihood of it is the least likely of the three that Meltzer gave. For those that didn't see it on his Wrestling Observer radio with Brian Alvarez, the three names he gave were Austin versus Punk, yeah. Austin versus Cena, and Austin versus Brock. And all three of those are money makers, I think, without a shadow of a doubt. Those are definitely money makers. What I see is the issue, though, with Brock, obviously, is the German suplexes. Cena and Austin, I think, is the money match. I think that one there is the one that they go with. The money match is Austin Rock. But they've done that before. And Rock is going to face Roman. You think Roman's wrestling Rock at WrestleMania this year? If The Rock is available and he's going to be on that show, he's wrestling Roman Reigns. But I agree with you. I think of any of those options, Cena's the match I want to see. Imagine if they get everybody here, Ralph. If they get Rock, they get Cena, they get Austin, Logan Paul's healthy, CM Punk joins the roster, Cody recovers from injury, Brock comes back. You imagine the card they're going to have of literally their slogan of then, now, and forever. I know some people are going to shit on it. Rightfully so, if you're one of those that doesn't want to see nostalgia acts and, you know, give the guys that are there all the time, the quote-unquote full-timers, you know, the spotlight. I'm, I'm totally on board with that. But WrestleMania has been more the exception to that. And WWE has always been that way where they've given the celebrity spots. They've given the nostalgia act spots because that's their Super Bowl. That's when they're trying to maximize as many eyeballs to the product as they can a guy that is barely on tv to begin with is not going to do that for them unfortunately that's the case but there is a show this weekend ralph it's AEW full gear 11 matches at the time of this recording but we're going to make our predictions for this show and of course it's available on bleacher report it's available on fight tv internationally and if you know you haven't ordered the pay-per-view yet for our international fans in the babble section we got a link in the description. It's an affiliate link. So not only do you get an awesome pay-per-view this weekend, but you also give us a little kickback to help support this channel because the more support we get, the more videos and more episodes we could do. So we'll start with the non-title matches. Sting and Darby Allen versus Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett. So this one here for a while, they've been telling the story with backstage vignettes. Backstage interviews, we've seen a couple matches in the ring between Darby and Jay Lethal. Jeff Jarrett comes out as the man that kind of knows how to expose Darby Allen and expose Sting, and now we have this tag team match. Who wins this match, Ralph? Honestly, in my opinion, Darby's one of those underutilized guys, and unfortunate because he's one of those AEW originals, and it seems like he hasn't really done a whole lot at all. Mm -hmm. I don't want to see him lose to Jay Lethal or Jeff Jarrett, who just came into the company. Um, I can't see them doing it, but I'm going to hold out hope here, and I'm going to say Sting and Darby. I think this one's a tough one because, like you said, Jeff Jarrett just got there. Do they give the win to him and Jay Lethal? Jay Lethal was a guy who last year showed up on full gear. as like a big debut. They haven't done too much with him. Hasn't really gotten any big wins. I think he's challenged for a couple titles. I, can't even, I think he challenged for the TNT title, if I'm not mistaken. Darby was a huge, huge part of the beginning of AEW and now kind of thrown in the back burner when you've gotten more and more names to the AEW roster and hasn't really found his footing in quite some time. And I don't know if Tony Khan is booking him 
the way he was early on because maybe he feels he lost the star power in Darby Allen, or just quite frankly, they can't find anything for him to be consistently on every week. And maybe a win here could help get that back on track for Darby Allen. But with that said, I think I'm going to go with Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett. I'm going with that. I, I think the story being told is with them and maybe the loss with Darby and Sting could eventually lead to them splitting up and maybe lead to a Sting versus Darby match down the line. Darby beats Sting and then he could go on his own because I have to start thinking maybe it's Sting that's kind of weighing Darby down. He just needs something, some, uh, some type of meaningful storyline. It's kind of like he's just an afterthought, you know, it's right. unfortunate. Yeah. But the next match we have is Jungle Boy versus Luchasaurus in a steel cage match. So this storyline, I feel like they're just extending so that we could get a proper match between Christian Cage and Jungle Boy. Obviously, what we saw at, at All Out, due to the fact that Christian Cage got hurt, we got this very short match, very frustrating for a lot of fans that were really anticipating Jungle Boy to get this big win at All Out after this huge push throughout the summer, only for Luchasaurus to turn on him before the match even starts and the match ends in 19 seconds. I think Jungle Boy gets his his revenge in this match. I don't know how he picks up the win in the steel cage match against Luchasaurus, but but I'm going with the victory for Jungle Boy. I agree. Yeah, I think Jungle Boy's going to get the win here. I think he needs the win, and I think eventually, whenever Christian's healthy, they'll revisit the storyline, and we'll get the match we were all kind of hoping for it all out. Next match we got is Soraya versus Britt Baker. Soraya's first match in five years going up against the face of the women's division. This one's going to be an interesting one to see, obviously, to see how Soraya does. And, uh, and you know, a lot of people are going to be watching this match under an, a microscope, given that, you know, it's Soraya's first match in five years. How's the neck going to hold up? What kind of bumps is she going to take? Is it going to be a long match? Is it going to be a short match? And, of course, does she beat Britt Baker? And how does that help the women's division as a whole? So. I think this match, if it goes more than 10 minutes, I'll be surprised. I honestly will. I really don't think they're going to put Soraya in a match that long after such a long time. I think Soraya loses mm -hmm. to Britt Baker due to some shenanigans with Rebel. I agree. And if you remember back, I actually predicted uh, Darby Allen was going to beat Punk. Probably for similar reasons. Soraya is an investment. Obviously, she's a name. She's got a following. She came from WWE, so people know who she is. The one thing people have been critical of in AEW has been, well, one of the things, at least uh, for, for a consistent basis, has been the women's division. The fact that the booking has been lackluster and it hasn't been a focal point. You have Britt Baker go over a major star like Paige or Soraya, then, you know, that helps, one, solidify the fact that AEW has... Uh, women wrestlers that are at the same level as whatever's going on in your competition. So I think Britt Baker is going to win. Soraya will be fine even if she loses because one, she's been hurt and two, she hasn't wrestled in five years and she's going against one of the best in the business. So I'm going uh, with Britt, uh, Britt Baker. Yep. And of course, I think there's still that story to be told with Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker that they have to close out the story with Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter that still hasn't bloomed yet. And then maybe revisit Britt Baker and Tony Storm too. So I think there's more that Britt Baker can get from winning this match than Soraya can from winning this match. Next match is the Eliminator Tournament Finals. The winner of the tournament 
will face the AEW World Champion at Winter is Coming. At the time of this recording, we don't have the two wrestlers that are going to be in the finals match. And if I understand the bracket correctly, rather than disqualifying Starks due to injury and advancing Lance Archer, they're having the match on Rampage. The winner of that match has to face Brian Cage also on Rampage. The winner of that match faces Ethan Page in the finals at full gear. So do you think any of those three, Archer, Starks, or Cage, beat Ethan Page? I don't. Uh, I think that they've been trying to tell this story where it's kind of like the subplot, if you will, right? They're building this tension between MJF and what are they called? The foundation? No. The firm. The firm. So they're building that whole thing. If they're going to turn MJF face or keep him a tweener or whatever they're going to do with him, they need somebody to be that that heel for him. And when you Mm -hmm. look at AEW right now, they don't really have a whole lot of heels, at least that they've been using on a consistent basis. Ethan Page can talk. He's not a bad wrestler at all. You know, he just hasn't really done a whole lot. So I think this could be his opportunity maybe to be that guy uh, to go against MJF. Who knows? But no, I don't see anybody beating him. I agree. I think Ethan Page, they're setting it up because the rivalry between the firm and MJF, or perhaps the fact that maybe MJF is in cahoots with the firm and just making you think that he's rivaling with the the firm. And maybe MJF or maybe Ethan Page takes a knee and loses on purpose for whoever, or he wins the tournament and then does a finger poke of doom with MJF. I don't know what they do. I hope they don't go that route. Obviously, the story is there with Ethan Page and MJF. And I think that's the route they're going to go if Ethan Page wins the tournament. I think he does win the tournament, and we'll go from there. But yeah. now we have the t- the championship matches, and there's, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven championship matches on the card right now, and maybe they even add a couple more if they even have any titles left. But we start with the TNT Championship. Triple threat match, Wardlow versus Samoa Joe, who is the Ring of Honor TV champion against Powerhouse Hobbs. Now, usually when there's a multi-man match of some sort, I usually go, all right, who are feuding with each other and who's the odd man out? The problem with this is they're all feuding with each other. So you can't play odd man out here. The only odd man out you could really do is Powerhouse Hobbs doesn't have a title where Wardlow and Samoa Joe both do. Do they make Samoa Joe a double champion? Do they make Wardlow retain? Or do they make Powerhouse Hobbs a TNT champion out of nowhere? Because it's another guy where he's not really pushed that great in AEW, but he's had his spots of like shine where like the, the star power is there. Yeah. It's just they got to book him better. They got to show him on TV more. And Wardlow. Ever since he won that big match at Double or Nothing, got put on the back burner for Forbidden Door because he wasn't going to wrestle anybody, won the TNT title nonetheless, but his reign has not been that well done. You could say, oh, he's been champion for X amount of times, but how many defenses has he had in that time? Who has he beaten in that time? Most of this reign has been a tag team with Samoa Joe, which they just led to this split. So that title's coming off of Wardlow Saturday. I'm going to go with Powerhouse Hobbs, but I I agree. I mean, this has been one of the more disappointing title reigns for somebody that has potential, not somebody that got given an opportunity or got pushed just because, 
you know, we want to see this person succeed. Let's see what he can do with it. Like he was legitimately super over, like maybe the most mm-hmm. over guy they've ever produced in AEW other than maybe like MJF. And he just hasn't done anything with the title. And I don't think that's his fault. I think, as you pointed out, he got put on the back burner going into Forbidden Door. He came back out after that and said, you know, he gave that promo where he said he was going to be like a fighting champion or whatever. And, you know, he was here to stay. And then he was gone from Dynamite. He's been mostly on like Rampage and in tag teams. And if they haven't done anything with him now, I can't see them doing anything with him, you know, going forward, at least not unless he gets built back up. So I'm going to go with Hobbs on this match. Perhaps they take the title off of Wardlow, rebuild him up, and he goes after MJF, knowing he already demolished him at yeah. double or nothing. And maybe they revo- reverse the roles. If MJF is turning babyface, turn him. See what happens. It's weird with AEW. Like, guys don't lose their shine, but it's not It's not because of the way they're booked. Like, guys get super no. over either, you know, because people respect them for their work rate or because the booking was good. But then it's like once they hit a certain point, they're put on the back burner and fans you can will say still that about WWE too, though. You could say that about WWE because it's not the kill. It's a thrill of the chase. You know, they get to that point, they get to where they need to be, but then it's like, Oh crap, what's next. And they just can't keep that momentum going because they can't tell the story they did to get the chase. They can't tell that same story after they've caught what they were chasing after Kofi mania, for example, was absolutely huge. And we were there when he won that title and the crowd went nuts after Kofi mania at WrestleMania. eh, You could, I mean, he was a fighting champion. Yes. And there were some good moments in there, but it wasn't the same hmm, that that moment heading into Kofi mania was because they couldn't build that story up again. And he loses the Brock in eight seconds. So that didn't help matters. It's the same concept. But and I think the, that time and time again in WWE too. So it's not just an AEW thing. No, but the point I'm making, the, here's the difference. This is actually going to be a, I guess, more or less like a compliment to the AEW fan base. Um, when sometimes in WWE, you get a guy who's super over, whatever the case may be. Uh, you could watch Raw. You could watch SmackDown, depending on where they are. Guys don't always get a reaction, WWE. It's really dependent on what town or what city they're in. In AEW, I feel like if Wardlow went missing, like literally disappeared from TV for five months, didn't do anything, and his music hit, the fans would go nuts for him. There's Mm -hmm. always going to be those certain guys that are over to that level, even in WWE, but I feel like the AEW fans just, they react to more. They're invested in the product. They're invested in the wrestlers. FTR comes out. They've been off TV for three weeks, whatever. They'll get a good reaction. You know, I can't say that like, you know, Raw on any given night, you get somebody who comes out, they're going to get a huge pop. It really depends. Raw, Raw the last couple of weeks, their crowds have been crap. See, as I say that, though, AEW last night was terrible. The, the, the crowd in Connecticut, our home state. So Maybe it was just a bunch of WWE fans that got paid to see AEW and just so they can take videos of the empty seats in the Total Mortgage Arena. Maybe that's what it was. I don't know. Last night was not a good indication for, for AEW because they're usually like amped up for everything. Maybe it was just kind of like a, a sign of the last few months that just the build maybe not that good for like not everybody's going to enjoy the build, which is fine. There are just going to be strong markets for AEW and weak markets for AEW. And there's going to be strong markets for WWE and weak markets for WWE. Oh, by the way, uh, my prediction is I will go with Samoa Joe being double champion 
uh, and win the TNT Championship. But next match, we have the return of the Elite. And they will challenge the Death Triangle for the AEW Trios Championship. There it is. We finally have a somewhat of an answer to this whole damn thing that happened all out. The Elite are coming back. I think they're going to win those titles back. Then we just patiently wait for CM Punk on whatever decision they make with that. I think this match is still going to be good because we know the Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers can have great matches together. We know Pac and Kenny Omega can have great matches together. I worry that if Rick Knox is the referee, things are going to get chaotic and he's just going to stand there while all six men are in the ring doing their spots. Meltzer will give it nine stars. I'll probably give it four and a half, which will be a good match, but not a perfect match. But I'm excited to see what the elite can do with the time off. And I'm excited to see how the reaction is going to be for when they show up. One thing the, the Bridgeport crowd did react to was the announcement that the elite were challenging for the death challenging the death triangle for those trios titles. New Jersey should probably give a similar reaction. And then we just wait on punk. Yeah, I agree. They're coming back. They're taking those titles back, I think. And we'll see what happens from there. Let's head out to our next title match. It's for the ring of honor championship. It's a fatal four way. The bride, Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, Brian Danielson, and Claudio Castagnoli. So one thing we have to point out here is Brian Danielson has two wins over Sammy Guevara recently and Claudio Castagnoli in two separate tag team matches pinned and submitted Chris Jericho. So with that said, Chris Jericho retains. Using a little uh, wrestling math. Well, that's usually how it works because the person that goes over on the go-home show loses on the pay-per-view. And I know people think that's a WWE trope. It's not. It's a pro wrestling trope. AEW's done it thousands of times already. Look at every pay-per-view. Look at every go-home show and prove me wrong on that one. I guess I'll go with Jericho. I mean, look, you're not interested in this match, are you? It's not that I'm not interested. I just don't. I hate to say I don't get it because I get it. I know what they're trying to do. What are they trying to do? Because to me, it looked like they were trying to set up a double turn between Wheeler Yuta and Daniel Garcia. No, I'm looking big picture. I'm looking at they, they want somebody credible to hold. And Tony Khan said this in his interview with Ariel Hawani. He wanted Chris Jericho to hold that title because he needed somebody prestigious to hold the Ring of Honor title, to convince him to get TV, and so on and so forth. Like, let's assume he gets TV for Ring of Honor. Him creating AEW and finding success as an alternative with some of the bigger names is going to be easier for him than creating another alternate promotion. People have a reputation about Ring of Honor, or a, a, a thought of Ring of Honor. They are, they've seen it. It's been there. It's not been a company that has been able to challenge like the WWEs of the world. It's... All of this effort going into promoting the Ring of Honor title. And again, like you look at some of the booking decisions that Tony Khan has made. I think that by the end of this year, you can very realistically say that him trying to focus on, you know, propping up Ring of Honor through Dynamite and Rampage may have been a blunder. Brian Danielson is in a fatal four-way match when he was supposed to be one of your guys. Challenging for a title that I know they're trying to say is one of the most legitimate and prestigious and all that type of stuff. And it is to a certain extent, but Brian Danielson challenging for that. Like I didn't think he was going to be involved in something like this when he came to AEW. I think he should be main eventing pay-per-views, not like in the mix for a title that somebody's holding to hopefully get TV. If he's not in the world title picture, because Moxley's the champion and right now MJF's going after the title. What's the next thing below that? He needs to be in a storyline that is worthy of somebody of his stature. Is there anybody in AEW 
that came from outside AEW that was signed to AEW that has lost more stock? Has anybody lost more a free agent that they've signed? Has have they brought anybody in that was at a certain level and dropped off more than him? Not because of him or his abilities or his capabilities to get over or be a great wrestler, just in the way he's presented to the fans. Brian Danielson, this match is probably going to go on the middle of the card. Brian Danielson was main eventing WrestleMania before he left WWE, losing to the guy that's holding the title for what two plus years. Yeah, now he's losing to Daniel Garcia, getting tapped out, getting choked out, passing out. Put him in there with somebody that has some. He was wrestling Ooh. Kenny Omega when he came on board, but Kenny Omega's not there. He he was suspended. Well, that's Tony Khan's job to make people get to his level. Who is there? Would you Who rather is he going to wrestle? Would you rather see him in that tournament to get that championship title uh spot or do you think he should be wrestling for the Ring of Honor championship? I think he should always who, be in this. Considering who's in that tournament, he's above that. He's above that challenging tournament. for the AW. Well, he should be in the mix. He should be like if he's in that that tournament, they have to put bigger names in that tournament cuz right now that tournament and no discredit to anybody that's in it but most of those guys have had either start and stop pushes or aren't on TV nearly as consistent as they should be. But Brian Danielson is on TV okay. each and every week. Let me ask you this. Would you rather, we just talked about this match. Would you rather Wardlow be in the match that he's in and Danielson be in the match that he's in? Or would you rather have them both come out of that bracket and wrestle each other at the pay-per-view for the next championship match? I would rather, I would rather them have both of them in the tournament. That's what I'm, I'm saying. The way the Eliminator tournament has been and kind of always has been, it's been they kind of take some a bunch of like lower mid card or slightly upper mid card guys, put them in that tournament, and then one guy wins to try to test them at the main event level. That's what they've done with that t eliminator tournament. I get it. I'm disappointed that Brian Danielson doesn't feel like a, 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 a main attraction AEW at this point. Fair assessment. I don't quite agree with it because he's on every single week. And while this whole Jericho Appreciation Society versus Blackpool Combat Club has had their peaks and valleys in this whole storyline for the whole year. He's still a main focal point week in and week out on Dynamite. I disagree with that, but we can disagree. Nonetheless, do you have Jericho winning this match? Uh, yes, I do. Okay. Next up, we have the TBS Championship. Jade Cargill, who's still undefeated, going up against the faux TBS champion, Nyla Rose. Someone that... Definitely could be one that could dethrone Jade Cargill as someone that actually matches face-to-face -face with Jade Cargill here, but I don't see anybody beating Jade for a while. The streak is whatever it is, but they're protecting her for a reason. I don't see her losing this to Nyla Rose. This is kind of one of those things where they needed her on the card and they needed somebody for her to wrestle, so... And beating a former women's champion in Nyla Rose gives her definitely a little... another tip of the cap and bars that streak and trying to add credibility to that title reign and add credibility to her streak by beating Nyla Rose. But next up, we have the women's world championship, the interim world women's world championship. I should say Tony storm versus Jamie Hader. Jamie Hader has probably been one of the most organically over wrestlers in AEW for the past three months, getting more and more people behind her. They're anticipating this turn with Britt Baker or Britt Baker turning on her, whatever the case may be. Does it happen after she beats Tony Storm for the interim women's championship? Look, they have got to start capitalizing when people get over and just 
strike while the iron's hot. They've done it before in the past. They did it with Wardlow going over MJF. They've they did it with it. Tony Storm. Tony Absolutely. Storm was, was kind of over, you know, when she won her interim championship. Kind of died down by the moment she won it. But still, she was still over at that point. But she was finally getting support yep. from the crowd. She got her title win. MJF, we'll see on this weekend if that same thing happens with him. But yeah, the AEW's definitely done it. So Jamie Hayter, this might be the time. And I like the thing is, do they want to change hands on an interim champion? Which uh, I don't think AEW has done yet. They've never had an interim champion change hands. Uh, I mean, if you do that, then you're essentially saying, look, Jamie Hayter, you're kind of put back on the back burner. Unless they kind of do unless, build her unless up with Brit get Unless Britt costs the match for Jamie. Yeah, which is possible. And that all depends on when each of those matches end up on the card. If it's where Britt and Soraya are first, Jamie's on later or vice versa, maybe. But if it's where they're kind of like one or two matches apart, that's not happening. I think this is going to be Tony Storm retention. Okay. But they could do Thunder Rosa versus Tony Storm to unify those titles and have one undisputed women's championship. I don't see an interim title changing hands. Next up, the Acclaim versus Swerve in Our Glory, the third of the trilogy between these teams. The first match was a match of the year contender. Second one was a good match with some little convoluted Weird booking. Spots, yeah. not, as, not as good as the first match, but still good nonetheless. I think this match is going to be a good match nonetheless. There was a report that Anthony Bowens might have been injured on Wednesday. In his match with Swerve Strickland, so uh, perhaps the injury plays a role in the in this match, or it could just be a kayfabe thing to kind of you know work the injury and in, into the story of this this match. I think the acclaims still need to retain. I think the shoulder's more of a kayfabe thing than a real legit injury thing. Let's hope that's the case, and if that is the case, acclaim retain. I agree. They're super over. They're one of the best things they got going in AW. Um, if as, assuming Bowens is not hurt, then yeah, they should retain here. I think main event time, the AEW Already? World Championship. Yeah, well, yeah, we went. Pay per view is not going to go by this quick. So <laughs> the AEW World Championship, MJF challenges John Moxley. I, I mean, the story has been there about MJF where he wants to win this one for himself and earn that AEW World Championship. But best thing the devil ever did was convince people the devil didn't exist. Does he use the dynamite ring? Does he not? I know during the DraftKings promos, that question has been asked every time by Excalibur because it's one of the questions that you have to ask as part of the AEW full gear pool whether or not MJF uses the dynamite ring so i i believe it's going to be factored into this match somehow maybe he thinks about doing it and then throws it away yeah maybe he doesn't use it but william regal uses it maybe someone in the firm uses it but that dynamite ring is definitely going to be used in this match i don't know if it's mjf though and that's what's great about this story because they led you to believe so many different things and the character established by MJF, you can't take what he says at face value. Although you can believe what he says because he does it with such great conviction, but his character has definitely made you think one way and then he does a completely different thing just to piss people off. If he says he wants to be the best wrestler in the world, part of that means he has to turn babyface. You can't just be a heel forever and expect to be the greatest wrestler of all time. 
all of them had to work either all of them had to work babyface and heel at some point in their career. I feel like look, you can, he could be the best heel in pro wrestling, but I think and people respect that. People love him for that. I think for him to be that next generational star like he sees himself, he's going to at le- least have to be a tweener and I think that's where he's probably best suited. Uh, like full baby face no way. I I don't see that for him ever. I don't think that's the no. right call. Um but as like a smart ass like jock type, he'll still make fun of you, he'll still poke fun at fans, but he'll do it in like a playful way. That's what's best suited for him and we've seen little glimpses of that and I think he's great at it. A lot of little subtle things going on in this whole storyline. William Regal's involvement, their backstory, uh, the firm's involvement. Are they going to help? I don't know which way to go with this. I have a feeling of what I'd like to see happen if they do intend to turn him face or tweener or whatever you want to call it. What would you like to see happen? Well, this is the same thing I talked about several weeks ago. I think he should lose. I think that Moxley should turn heel with whoever the group that, you know, it's him and William Regal and, you know, they cheat or do something to screw MJF because MJF gets cheered, but it's not like he's gone full on tweener or face or whatever. I think that will make him sympathetic to the fans. I think he can go out there and cut a promo on Tony Khan and everybody else about how he's been held down. He was held down and cast aside by William Regal. He was held down and not given opportunities by Tony Khan and not paid what he should be paid, whatever. It fits right in with the storyline. And now, again, he gets screwed out of his opportunity and he demands another title shot. Somehow he gets back to the title as a face, wins, place goes absolutely nuts. I don't know how the crowd's even going to react in this match. Mox is beloved by the AEW fan base. MJF is getting cheered more times than he's not. He's getting a pop every time he comes out, most times. That said, I think MJF goes back to his roots somehow gets help or cheats and wins the title. Because I don't think with everything going on with Mox and the Blackpool Combat Club and all that other stuff, I don't see him turning heel. I think Regal turns on Moxley and he joins forces with MJF. But the firm is a red herring. The dynamite ring has to be involved because like their first match, the paradigm shift was banned from the match and Moxley still used it. This time, MJF is saying he's not going to use that dynamite ring. Yeah. So what would be the reverse of that? Him actually using the dynamite ring. So maybe it's William Regal that hits Moxley with the dynamite ring. I say MJF does get his crowning moment, does it nefariously, and he is the new AEW world champion. And on top of that, I'm making a bold prediction, Ralph. CM Punk will come out and close out that show with a face-to-face with MJF. So he's not going to be released. Nope. I don't think so. Until there's a statement that says he's released or CM Punk shows up at some WWE event. I'm not believing any of these reports saying that he's released. They're buying out his contract. The locker room doesn't want him, especially now where MJF is supposed to be this kind of baby face now that the fans are accepting finally. And all the heat on CM Punk, they just now reverse the roles. Makes too damn sense now. and. Punk, how does he get the title match? Easy. He never lost the title to begin with. Yep. The reason's already there. You don't need stupid rankings to, to manipulate it for it to happen. Thank God they got rid of those rankings anyway. All right, we got some questions here to answer. Speaking of CM Punk, our first question comes from Siege Luigi, and he says, what are your thoughts on the possibility that during the investigation, cooler heads prevailed between Punk 
and the elite. The news that Punk is being bought out is a work. He gives up fantasy booking situation. Jericho only said he called Punk a cancer after the investigation concluded. He's currently running an angle where he's the Ring of Honor champion, purposefully ruining the, the history of the title, looking to take all former Ring of Honor champions. The most popular former Ring of Honor champion, arguably, is CM Punk. Tony is looking for a TV deal with Ring of Honor. Wouldn't a Jericho Punk feud for that title be a perfect catalyst for Ring of Honor to get a TV deal? Yeah, it's certainly possible. And I mean, I think when this first happened, right, some people were saying that they felt like it could have been a work because they knew that Punk got hurt during that match. So it was close to it, though. They they say it's not. I But people who claim to be close to the situation always say they think they have an inside scoop. And sometimes it's not right. Sometimes it's way far off. So like you, very much like you, I'm not going to believe anything until Punk is released or shows up on AEW or elsewhere. So. Can it be a work? Yeah, it could be a work. And it would be a very good elaborate work that has kept people guessing for a long time. It would be, but the fact that you made it a suspension and he said those things about the EVPs, but that could all be part of the story. That really could be all part of the story and all this stuff about locker room leaders and stuff. And that's all welled into a potential storyline down the line. Why would you take your top guys off of television for that obviously punk's injury but why would you take kenny yeah. omega and the young bucks off tv for that same thing kind of questions if it is in fact the work or not but next question here from uh from young breezy about tony khan and ring of honor did tony khan cancel rampage and put ring of honor on tuesdays instead nope no we should not uh, you know my thoughts on this. I think that the Ring of Honor venture is foolish. Dead in the water, dead on arrival. No, I don't think he should move it anywhere, except maybe YouTube. Rampage should not be canceled. Or right. if they're going to cancel it, don't replace it with Ring of Honor. People that are in our babble section and people that I see on the internet, oh, the AEW just needs more TV time. Or let's just move it to a different day and a different time slot. Like, it's that easy. Like, Tony Khan could just... Make that happen. How many times have I said, Tony Khan or Vince McMahon, don't make those decisions. It's the network that makes that decision. Who is going to pick up Ring of Honor and put it on Tuesday primetime? Because it's not going to be WB Discovery because the NBA is on on Tuesday. Disney, what network does Disney own that Ring of Honor could pick up? The only possible one, I know people bring up Paramount and Viacom C, or what was formerly Viacom CBS, they pick it up and put it on the Paramount Network, which was formerly Spike TV, because that's where Impact was. That's the most likely scenario if they get out of the WB Discovery bubble and put Ring of Honor or Rampage somewhere else and keep Dynamite with WB Discovery. The networks have to basically say, we want to buy the rights for it. And when they do, they're going to air it whenever the hell they want. That's why when NXT moved from Wednesdays to Tuesdays, that was not Vince's idea. It wasn't Triple H's idea. It was the USA Network's idea. And the fact that they moved out of the network to the USA Network on Wednesdays, that wasn't a Vince move. That was a USA Network move. Did Vince have a say like, hey, we should put it on Wednesdays because it was on the WWE Network on Wednesdays, yada, yada, yada? Yeah, that is a possibility too. But USA Network made the ultimate decision. Why does AEW Dynamite get preempted every time there's some sporting event that's also on the same time as AEW Dynamite? Because the, the, the network says so. Same with SmackDown on Fox. So it's not that easy. Even if you want that to happen, it's not no. that simple to just go, give them more TV time, move it to Tuesdays, 
Put Ring of Honor on instead of Rampage. No, it doesn't work that way. Next question comes from Steve G. Triple H has brought back several wrestlers. Why is he booking so much filler segments on Raw lately? We need more wrestling on Raw over filler and recaps going on constantly. That's probably the reason the third hour on Raw's ratings dropped this past week. And I mean, this has been a constant thing anyway with the Raw's third hour. Gets the big drop between hours one and two. But recaps is not the reason for that. It's just 10 o'clock hour, more people on the East Coast are going to sleep. Therefore, you're going to see a drop in viewership. That's just the nature of population of the United States where they measure these viewerships. There's been a lot of good stuff on Raw, but at the same time, there's been some, I mean, I've been critical of the whole damage control thing for a while now. And that seems to be like, what are they doing with this? And it, it leads to the War Games match fine, but now they're just trying to find, all right, how can we get this person in the War Games match? How can we get that person in? Without it really being in the story of Bianca and Bailey and damage control, yeah, it's like, oh yeah, let's just, Make an excuse for Nikki Cross to be in. Let's just make an excuse for Mia Yim and Rhea to be in. Eric Bischoff recently made a comment about excuses over stories with AEW. This is a prime example of WWE doing excuses over stories. As much as I'm excited for this match, as much as I'm excited for war games and these women that are going to be involved in it, outside of the main six that were initially in this story, the remaining four are just filler and excuses to be in the match to fill those five slots for each team i think the the difficult thing with monday night raw is because they started certain segments and storylines they have to follow up on it and it can't involve like in-ring wrestling some of it and the main one is is the miz storyline right because we just talked about this the other night this whole thing with dexter loomis once he wrestles miz that's likely to be at least towards the tail end of that storyline the only mm -hmm. way they can really progress that storyline is through segments, usually longer segments. You could argue if that's right or wrong. You could argue if you want to see more or less wrestling. I think right now, some of the wrestling that you're going to see is guys like Seth Rollins doing the open challenge and stuff like that. I think Raw has been kind of hit or miss lately. It's had some good set. And that's like any wrestling show. You pick out the stuff you like, you watch it, and you pay close attention to it. The other stuff you kind of don't pay that much attention to. But... Yeah, there's been a lot of segments and a lot of things that have been a little bit off the past couple weeks. Some things have been good, but you know, look, we just talked about this. Last week, we were talking about how bad the cash-in was for Austin Theory. This past week, we're talking about how it was a great night for him on, on Raw. So, good mm -hmm. and bad on any show. Right. I mean, you still have to fill three hours. It goes back to the last question where we talked about the decisions by the networks. If Triple H wanted to, I guarantee you he'd want to shorten Raw to two hours. That's a that's a USA Network decision. They are going to pay for that third hour, and they make a shit ton of money with that third hour because, like it or not, that third hour does good compared to the rest of cable television. So it's staying. And WWE business-wise would be stupid to get rid of that third hour, even though it would be probably better in the long run quality-wise. It's a quantity over quality kind of thing. And unfortunately, the quantity is going to lead to better numbers for USA Network, for WWE. So the third hour stays as much as it was dumb 10 years ago when they started it. And it's still dumb today. Our last question here comes from Mex for Life. Who do you see winning championships in either AEW or WWE in 2023? And they did specify just championships in general. 
not world titles. So it could be okay. a yeah. future U.S. champion, a future yep. Intercontinental champion, a TNT, a tag team, NXT. Cody's at the top of my list when he comes back. I don't know if that means What title gonna... does he win, though? Does he win the U.S. <sighs> title or does he dethrone Roman? I'm not going to lie, seeing seeing Seth do the open challenge thing definitely has me nervous because as much as people are hopeful and as much as I'd love to see Seth make that the number one title on Raw, there's no doubt we know what the number one title is. There's no doubt you know that the heavyweight championship that Roman Reigns holds is that championship. If mm-hmm. Cody goes and challenges Seth and wins and beats Seth, that kind of sets him back or kind of throws him off on his trajectory towards potentially beating Roman. I'd like him to be the guy that beats Roman. I don't know what's going to happen, but I do think Cody should be the guy. We've gone over that. Kevin Owens, I think, should be up there in consideration for guys to beat Roman Reigns, too. I, I think he should win some some championships. It's been a long time I think, for him. I think Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are going to dethrone the Usos. That would be, yeah. I would love that. That's where I think that that's going. As much as I'd love for Sami Zayn, with the momentum he's had with this bloodline story, to eventually be uh, him against Roman Reigns at some point. I honestly think he turns against the bloodline and this friction between him and Jey Uso is leading to that tag team title match. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn mm. versus the Usos. And unfortunately, with the injury, reported injury of Kevin Owens, that possibility of planting that seed at War Games can't happen anymore. AEW, I think, see, this one's tough because how long do you have that title on MJF? And who dethrones him. If Punk is coming back, I think he he beats MJF if he's coming back. But maybe not. Does Hangman Page get a title back? I mean, Orange Cassidy's already a, a, the All-Atlantic champion. Does he drop that title and get a TNT championship? Do the best friends in Orange Cassidy win the trios titles? Those are possibilities. I mean, you don't even need, you don't even need Orange Cassidy to drop the All-Atlantic title to win the trios titles too and make him a double champion, which... You know, a lot of people would go apeshit for, especially those that want Ralph to just react to it. Uh, some other ones. What tag teams in AEW? Do the Bucks win the titles back in 2023? I'd like to see the 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 uh, trilogy. I'd like to see FTR and the Bucks. Do, the, do FTR finally get the AEW tag titles? Yeah, right. Uh, I'll tell you who I would like to see at least challenge Walter. I don't know if he will beat him, but is Ilya Dragunov. Give the main roster a taste. Put of, that back on. Put that on the main roster. Uh, the Achilles, the Achilles heel of uh, Walter. There, maybe he's the one that dethrones uh, Walter as the Intercontinental Champion. I should say Gunther, not Walter. As much uh, as yeah. he's Walter, his name is Gunther now. So maybe Dominic Mysterio wins a title next year. Nope. I'd rather see Logan Paul. How about women's champions? Does Soraya win a, a women's championship next year? I wish I kind of wrote some stuff down and gave it a little bit more thought instead of doing a stream of consciousness on this question. But it's because like you still have to see how war games pans out. You still have to see how full gear pans out. And then you have the Royal, the build for the Royal rumble and revolution. Eventually that's a, that's a good question to have, but I'm sure people in the babble section could give us their thoughts on this. And, Thanks for listening to this episode of the Squared Circle Psycho Babble. If you liked what you heard and you're listening on either iTunes or Spotify, make sure you give us a five-star review to help spread the word. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Squared Circle Psycho Babble.